Welcome back to another episode of the Critical Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Lyle Bergoon. You know, it's uh, summer 2023. It feels like the summer of sweeteners, doesn't it? I mean, let's hear. We've got uh, uh, aspartame and IARC uh, news that we covered in the last podcast. And then this this didn't get picked up nearly as much as uh, the aspartame issue, but it's uh, sucralose, or uh, goes by a trade name of trade name of Splenda. Some of you may know um, about Splenda. Some of you probably use it. Uh, I know lots of people who really love Splenda. Um, well, there was a paper. Eh, it's here. It came out in twenty twenty three. It's here. I think it was like late May, uh, early June. It got published. It's by Schiffman and colleagues. It uh, came out of uh, North Carolina State University. Uh, just a few minutes down the road from me here, and uh, what they were uh, what they were trying to conclude with their paper uh, is that um, you know sucralose uh, may have this um, uh, contaminant in it that uh, could cause uh, DNA damage. And in one of their earlier papers, they were saying that this contaminant is actually a metabolite that uh, can form in our intestines. As we uh, metabolize, or as our microbiome metabolizes uh, sucralose, uh, this was one of the things that they're trying to say. And this this contaminant or this um, metabolite is called sucralose six acetate. Now, it's kind of interesting. This is the only lab that has identified that it could be produced in the human body. Uh, I don't exactly buy into that paper. I'm going to read a little bit more. Maybe I'll have a, an episode devoted just to that. But um, let's just talk about sucralose 6-acetate. You know, I, I <laughs> sucralose 6-acetate has been a known contaminant in um, sucralose uh, for, for quite a while. But here's the thing. Um, at least with respect to Splenda, they keep the amount down quite a bit, like down um, below the limit of detection. So it's, is it something we really need to worry about? No, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But here's the thing, when, you, when, you, when you're doing critical thinking, and part of the critical thinking is, uh, uh, framework is to go out and get data to examine uh, your hypotheses that you have, right? So when you're, when you're critical thinking, you're doing a critical analysis, you need to go out, grab information, um, and you need to start looking at that uh, data to then help you come to some kind of conclusion. All right, so that's all well and good. The issue is, uh, from where I stand, especially when we're talking about a lot of science in the toxicology field, we, we can't take the data at face value. And I, I hope that's something that you're, you're picking up from the podcast is that, you know, I can't expect the general public to understand toxicology to the degree I do because I, I live, breathe and drink this stuff all the time. I went to school for this. You know, I got extra education just in this field, right? The general public doesn't. So when when you're doing a critical analysis, you do need to rely upon experts. Part of the problem, though, is that a lot of our experts who are doing peer review, either A, are not really experts. That's a big problem. Um, a lot of peer review is actually conducted by grad students, not the actual PhDs. That happens a lot in graduate school. You'll see uh, professors farming this stuff out to their grad students and not telling editors. I know that happens because it, I've seen it, experienced it. 
Uh, also, it could be their postdocs. Postdocs are folks who have graduated with their PhD um, and who are obtaining additional training. So again, these aren't necessarily people who are uh, great experts in a particular field quite yet. They're up and coming. And so these are people who do a lot of the peer reviews. The other thing that I've noticed is um, th- there's a lack of statistical uh, reviewers with peer reviews. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. The, the um, lack of statistical literacy is pretty high among scientists. Um, generally, most scientists have no more statistical understanding than the general public, in my experience. And um, I actually got into a, a rather lengthy back and forth with a journal editor about this who told me, and I'm trained as a statistician, that they knew better than I do, even though they're not trained in statistics, and that what I was telling them was complete hogwash, even though I cited, you know, I don't know, 20 papers that backed me up. And they had zero papers to back them up other than uh, what their intuition was. So even within science, we, we don't exactly have good, honest brokers. And peer review is broken. I don't really buy peer review. I don't buy into it because um, I've seen it fail so miserably. And here's an example of that. So uh, this paper by Schiffman in 2023 um, about sucralose 6-acetate is a great example of a failure peer review. Now, one of the things I'm going to start off with is I asked for this data weeks ago. Uh, it looks like 21 days ago, I asked for this data. I asked the authors for it, and they didn't give it to me. They never responded to my email. So here in North Carolina, we have a uh, statute that allows us to ask for uh, data from our government. N- uh, NC State University is a part of the North Carolina government. They have policies that they have enacted uh, to um, bring uh, what we call the North Carolina General Statute, Chapter 132, into full force and effect at NC State University. I've gone through that process with, with NC State, and I haven't heard a response from them either. So here it is. Uh, actually, I requested on August 4th from the author, so that was, what, 25 days, my mistake. So 25 days ago, I asked for this data. They haven't responded to me at all. They haven't even sent me an email saying they won't give me the data. They just flat out won't respond to me. Uh, NC State is still processing my request. Um, They get a lot of requests, so I don't think that I'm going to be seeing this data probably anytime before the month of October, but we'll see. Uh, And like I said, right now it's August, so we'll see what happens. Um, one of the places that did pick up this story is um, actually a, a rally-based TV broadcaster here uh, called WRAL. Uh, they picked up the sucralose uh, six acetate story, um, and they stated that uh, based on their read of the paper, a chemical found in sucralose could lead to cancer. Uh, the New York Post also uh, picked up the press release uh, from NC State about this paper. And the New York Post said that sucralose could be broken down into sucralose 6-acetate in human bodies and lead to cancer. So, uh, oh, Prevention also raised the suggestion, uh, the magazine Prevention also raised the suggestion that sucralose uh, could also lead to cancer. So here we have uh, various media entities all telling us that based on this study, we could see cancer. Well, 
let's talk about why I think this paper is complete and utter garbage. So first, um, it's a big paper. They do a lot of things in this paper. And oh, if you want to follow along, this is uh, Schiffman et al. S C H I F F M A N 2023. And, um, I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, basically, they did a whole lot of things, but the things that we need to focus on is, number one, they say that they applied a particular process to their data, and it turns out that the process they use is not the process that was um, set out by the manufacturer of one of their assays. In other words, they did the test, or they did the analysis incorrectly. And uh, I'll give you a link to my uh, blog where I go into that more detail if you really, really care, which it gets kind of uh, weird. This is the bigger thing, though, and this is the thing that peer reviewers should catch, but peer reviewers don't do this. Somebody should have caught the fact that when Schiffman et al. ran their statistics, they got the wrong p-value. So Schiffman et al. don't tell us what the p-value is, Instead, what they tell us is that their p-value that they got for a particular set of data was less than 0.05. So what's great is with the data that they did give me, I can actually rerun the statistics. So I did the Fisher's exact test just like they did. And I got a p-value of 0.06. Now, 0.06 is not less than 0.05. 0.06 is greater than. So by their own rules, this shouldn't have been statistically significant. But here's the problem. The problem is that peer reviewers could have rerun these statistics very easily, and they did not. That is the problem. This is something easy for a peer reviewer to do. Any peer reviewer could do this, and they didn't do it. There are other things that the peer reviewers missed uh, throughout this uh, paper, but, but, Let's pretend that this paper is actually correct. Let's pretend I found no problems with it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, they got a point there. Let's pretend that. Okay. So if we were to pretend that sucralose 6-acetate actually did cause these bad, 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 bad things that they say it did, which like I told you, it doesn't, but let's just pretend that it does. How much diet soda would you need to drink to get these bad, 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 bad effects that Schiffman et al. say happen? And this is where things get kind of funny. What I need you to do is I need you to go out and buy a 180-gallon kiddie pool. Okay? So a 180-gallon kiddie pool. And then you're going to fill that 180-gallon kiddie pool with 1,974 cans of your favorite diet soda that contains Splenda or sucralose. And you're going to drink that entire kiddie pool full of diet soda with Splenda and sucralose in one go. Now, you don't have to like chug it. It's not like we're doing, you know, uh, anything where you're going to have a funnel and you're going to, you know, pour it down your throat and you have to drink it on you know, like one gulp, nothing like that. No, 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 no. But you do have to drink it all in one sitting, okay? That is how much you would have to drink to get the levels of sucralose 6-acetate that they say are going to cause bad things in you. 
let me back that up. A 180-gallon kiddie pool full of diet soda with Splenda or sucralose. 180-gallon kiddie pool. The one I saw on Amazon was really cool. Uh, so you have this pool, right? Obviously, because it's a kiddie pool. But then, here's the best part. It, it had this, um, this um, basketball hoop. So, you know, you got the stand, and then it has a, a hoop, an inflatable hoop. And then you can, you know, toss your basketball in there. So, in theory, you could fill up your kiddie pool with all this Diet Soda Splenda. You could shoot some hoops while you're in the kiddie pool, and then you drink it all down. That sounds like a fun afternoon to me. But that's how much you'd have to drink. Now, you might be saying, now, wait a second. It's impossible to drink 1,974 cans of Diet Soda Splenda. It's physically impossible. You'd die. Exactly. You would die. What you would die from is having your blood too thin. That's what you would die from. You die from the fact that your blood is too thin, your kidneys can't keep up with filtering all the excess water out. You would die of water poisoning. That's what you would die from. It is physically impossible for a human being to drink 1,974 cans of Diet Soda Splenda or sucralose. It is physically impossible for a person to drink a 180-gallon kiddie pool full of Diet Soda Splenda and see any of these effects that Schiffman says you'll see is physically impossible because you will die first. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm telling you, you should get that kiddie pool though with the uh, basketball hoop. It's really cool. Uh, I saw it on Amazon. Um, in fact, I have a link to it. I, I don't do affiliate links, so you can click on that and uh, I won't get a kickback. So don't worry about if you're worried about me getting a kickback. Don't worry. I won't get a kickback. Don't worry. That's not going to happen. Ah, yeah. I, I just, See, this is part of the problem with, with toxicology. Oh, by the way, the people who did this say are not toxicologists. Um, some of them are engineers. I think there was a geneticist and then there was a, a, a bioinformatician. Uh, those are people who uh, deal in biological information. Um, that's, that's who the authors were. There were no toxicologists here. But even within the field of toxicology, where we have actual toxicologists writing these papers, one of my biggest gripes is... They will find these high-dose effects, and this is what we call a high-dose effect, and, and they will be at doses that are physically impossible for you, me, our, you know, our family, anybody, physically impossible for a human to ever reach. Yet, they publish about these horrible, horrible, horrible things that will happen at these high doses that no one can ever reach, and then the press grabs onto it. It gets out there. It scares the living daylights out of people. And then you've got, you know, unscrupulous, some unscrupulous. Most attorneys are great human beings. I love attorneys, but there are some that are very unscrupulous who will try to make a fast buck off of this fear and trying to exploit this fear. And that's, that's where I draw. I mean, this is just, to me, we should not be publishing papers at these ridiculously high doses and scaring people. To me, we should not be funding this. Now, thankfully, in this case, this was not funded with taxpayer money. This is funded by the NC State University Engineering Foundation. Why in the world they are funding toxicology studies is still beyond me. 
I would think that they would have more important things to be doing with that money, such as, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, funding um, uh, books and lab fees for undergraduate engineering students who can't afford them. Uh, maybe they could be doing more outreach and STEM work. I mean, if they want to tell me that, well, we, we spent all this money on all that other good stuff and all we had left was to do these lousy talk studies, you know, I guess maybe then they might kind of have an excuse, but I just, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. All right. So there, that's the bottom line. Again, another thing about artificial sweeteners just being blown completely out of proportion. I, I still, I'm still beside myself. Seriously though, get that kiddie pool. It looked like a lot of fun. I mean, you know, obviously don't, don't drink that much, right? This isn't some kind of weird TikTok challenge. I'm not, please don't do that. Gosh, man, that's another weird thing. TikTok challenges. Anyway, but get that kiddie pool. It looked really fun. Uh, so that, that's it. That's all I really had to say uh, about this study. Um, but I want to bring this back to the critical thinking thing. Um, you know, like I said, when, when you are going through your critical thinking process and you are getting data, you know, the most important thing for you to do is to ask questions about the data. And one of the biggest questions you can ask is, you know, uh, what is this data actually saying? Is this data, you know, directly applicable to the situation I'm looking at? Um, and in this case, you would say, I mean... <laughs> If you're trying to decide if you're going to drink diet soda with Splenda or sucralose, uh, and you see the and, and you see the study, the first question you have to ask is, well, how much do I have to drink to get to this point? And if you if you don't know how to answer that question, which is cool, most members of the public don't. You know, hopefully you have some resource that you can go to. Um, anyway. I'm Dr. Lyle Bergoon. This is Critical Science. Uh, please don't don't drink 1,974 cans of of anything. Um, man, that would just be awful. I, I can't afford to lose listeners to to people drinking that much diet. Well, drinking anything, water, even that would just be awful. Um, you know, if you if you like what's going on here, uh, tell your friends, uh, like and share, all that uh, crazy stuff. And uh, I'll talk at you again another time. Have a great day and uh, do not drink a 180 gallon kiddie pool full of diet soda. If you remember nothing else, just don't do it. But buy the kiddie pool. I think they're pretty fun. All right. Bye.